Hi, I'm Tammy Tan, owner of Spice Hound. And I'm Christine Dorr, owner of Neococo. And we are co-owners of Kitchen 519, our shared-use commercial kitchen in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome to Let Us Wrap, the podcast about food, food business, and the people who work in the industry. Today, we have Robert Hack, pastry chef for Sons and Daughters. Actually, award-winning. He was chosen as Pastry Chef of the Year in San Francisco Magazine, what, two years ago in 2017, right? Yep. And that was your first year at Sons and Daughters. Yes, it was. Welcome, Robert. Yeah. Thank you for having me. He is helping us taste some chocolate croissants around San Francisco. Yeah, we're so excited for you to lend your expertise to this tasting. But first off, I met Robert actually a few years ago when we were both at Second Act Marketplace, which unfortunately does not exist anymore. It was in the hate. You were running the bakery there and I had my second spice store in that location. And then since then, you have been a pastry chef at AQ. Mm -hmm. um, Now at Sons and Daughters. And now Sons and Daughters. And then you've also been pastry chefs at uh, Kiko Kiko and several other places as well. Yeah. I'm incredibly proud of him. If you cannot <laughs> tell, you. I'm gushing. <laughs> you so. knew him when? I knew him before he won. No, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I love Robert. So, Robert? Yes. What kind of foods did you grow up with? I mean, what influenced you? So, my um, mom's from Hong Kong. My dad's from Vietnamese. I grew up with my paternal grandparents. So, there's a lot of Vietnamese slash Chinese food. Yeah. Oh, so fair fusion for you almost. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Very San Francisco. <laughs> very, very San Francisco. Yeah. Like I grew up with a lot of food in the house, especially having grandma around. I'm constantly eating and helping her cook. So you always knew you were going to go into the culinary into a culinary career. Yes, absolutely. Just because of upbringing and just being around my grandmother. Did you cook, cook with her? I did cook with her. Yeah, a lot, almost daily. What's yeah. your What's you guys' specialty? What What are you known for, you and your grandmother? I I remember making dumplings with my grandmother, oh. a lot of dumplings, and mochi, Vietnamese-style mochi, with like savory filling, Oh yeah, pork, and like mung bean. Like, yeah. wow. Those are the most memorable right. ones, yeah. Wow, that's a lot of work, too. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of high school, you decided not to go to college. You went to culinary school? Yes, absolutely. After graduation, I went straight into culinary school and did the pastry program Which at uh, California Culinary Academy. Oh, here in San Francisco, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my alumni also. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little there a little bit before you, though. They didn't have a post pastry program when I was there. Oh, really? Yep. I didn't know that. They had yeah. to go through the whole thing. So I was in I was in butchery. I was in garmanger. I did, the, I did a candy kitchen for a couple of weeks and bakery for a couple of weeks. But otherwise, we did tableside service where we're making crepe Suzette. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. you know, very somewhat far removed from what I do now. <laughs> when I went to school, you either had to choose pastry or savory. I chose pastry, but it would be nice to have everything incorporated. The school and, doesn't exist anymore, right? No, sadly they shut down several years ago. So if people wanted to go to a culinary school, they have to go to CIA? Yeah. CIA up in Napa. Yeah, yeah, what do you recommend around here if somebody comes to you? There is a San Francisco, I believe it's called San Francisco Cooking School, and that's on Venice. Yes. Yep. There's also City College, too. Yes, sir. That's yeah. true. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Isn't that they are known for um, uh, their culinary program. Yeah. And they're the first culinary program in America. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. 
Interesting. Do you advise people to go to school if they want a career in the culinary arts? What I would advise is that first they need to have passion in cooking. They are really doing a lot of cooking at home and really interested in food. I would suggest that you call up a restaurant, a favorite restaurant, and see if you come in for a stage, which is almost like a shadow, and check out the environment before you commit. And if that's something you really want to do and you really want to go to school, I think that would be your next step. Okay, Robert, did you do that? I did not do that. <laughs> Just, <laughs> do as I say, not as I, I do. Yes. So I went straight to school and didn't see the environment. But luckily, I enjoy the restaurant environment, enjoy all that. You have nobody else in your family that uh, professionally cooks then? Well, my aunt owns a restaurant and her husband is a chef in the Chinese restaurant. Right. But that was bef- that's what after you went to school or before, during? Before okay. I went to school. Yeah, so you had you had an idea then. I mean, you yeah. had an idea of how restaurants work. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit in your in your family. So, um, if somebody hasn't doesn't have any exposure, then your advice is sound, right? I mean, because it's not an environment for everyone. Yeah, it's difficult it's to be a line yep. cook. Shaking my head. Yes, <laughs> it's can be stressful if very you're on the line. Very high pace environment. Yes, it's not built for everyone. So that's my. Recommendation if you want to be a chef. <laughs> and, and do you find that um, a lot of uh, what happened, they go to the top, they're like, f- call up the French laundry. You think they're willing to get to stage people? Absolutely. They take yeah. stages often, and many of them. Yeah. And just from pure passion, like, oh, I have no background. I just want to see how it is. Yeah, know? I believe so. Yes, absolutely. Great. And if somebody came to you and said, I want to be a baker, can I work with you, stage with you? Yes, absolutely. If I have a um, large enough program, I would definitely take that. But at Sons and Daughters, we are very tiny. Mm-hmm. We have six chefs in the back, and that's basically all the table space we have. So you, all six of them. you advise going to a larger yes, restaurant? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Like find a larger restaurant that actually can take you in and actually have space for you to do things and learn. And stage is just for short, like one day? One it could week. be one day, a week, a month, or three months, depending on the restaurant. Usually higher-end restaurants uh, require at least a month commitment, up to three months commitment. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And the difference, what's the difference of an internship? Stages are working for free, right? Yeah, stages are working for free, but because we're in America and California, there's laws yes. against that. So Now, yes. Yes. In California, I guess stages and internship would be the same. Okay. Also, stages for um, if you're looking for work and going to stage, that's a little different too. That's really you going in to show off what you can do and see if you're a good fit versus stages where you want to be almost like an apprenticeship. Hmm. I always have people stage with me first to see, you know, if it's a good fit for, you know, us, of course, but for them too. So then they, so if somebody's staging to see if they're a good fit, you have to pay them too. Yeah. No matter. Based on the law here, yes. Okay. That's good to know. So currently, you don't have an assistant. I mean, yeah. you're... Just me. <laughs> Doing everything. So all the fantastic pastries you see at Sons and Daughters is from your wild imagination, right? So like, who inspires you then? I mean, where do you get your inspiration from? Oh, that's a tough question. A lot. Going out to eat. Food memories from when I was childhood. Traveling. Uh, reading cookbooks. 
Like it comes from a lot of sources. And then you just put it all yeah. together. <laughs> Inspiration from here, over there, and try to combine them to make it my own. What's an average day like for you? So I usually go around between 10 and 11. I would go and bake off my breads for dinner service. I would go through my list. I would do my inventory the night before and see what's was used last night and what we need for the next day. So I will look at my list and start making other cakes or ice creams or whatever we need f- for that day. To be honest, it's, it varies depending day to day. If it's busy, if it's not too busy, if it's like busy, then I would be just making everything on my list, like making cakes, ice creams. So making all the desserts. All the dessert. And uh, doing mise en place. Products, correct. Mise en place for service. And I continue prepping throughout the night because during service, we have a separate person that plates dessert. Okay. So I'm not necessarily on the line every day. So what time do you leave then? If work is, if my prep is light, I could leave around 9 p.m. If it's busy and my list is really heavy, I'd probably leave around midnight. Oh, one. gosh. Yeah. So it's all, it all depends. Yeah. Okay. But you're not plating. Correct. At, at like this is all production work. Okay. Is it unusual for things to run out during service and you would have to literally be making it? Stuff like that does happen, but it is very important that we do not do that. <laughs> but we, we definitely okay, that's, try. It's, it is our job not to make that happen. Whatever sells out, sells out, right? I guess it's the line. I mean, unfortunately, Sons and Daughters is a tasting menu, so we there's no option of selling out. Oh. We must have enough for everyone. Okay. You know how many seats are coming in, too. Correct. Right? So, so, most majority of people make reservations. So, we'll know exactly how many people we're going to feed that night. So, that makes my job much easier. Who makes the menu? I write the dessert menu. So, whatever's on the menu is for me, it's my recipes. How much does the um, the head chef influence you? Is that is that correct term? Head chef, executive, executive chef. Uh, yeah. So we at Sense and Nerves, we're pretty um, communicative. We're all friends, so we do talk a lot about menu changes and collaborations. Definitely something we do a lot at Sense and Daughters. And how you come up with the menu? Uh, seasonally, so based on the season, that's the biggest uh, inspiration. Because obviously, spring, I want to use something like strawberries or whatever. And I go from there and then find, draw inspiration from what I said before, past memories, dining out, traveling and such. Uh, how many items on the dessert menu? Uh, dessert menu. So there's um, one pre-dessert that's meant to be a palate cleanser. That's a little bit more lighter, more acidic. Pre-dessert? Yep. Pre-dessert? <laughs> what is this thing, pre-dessert? <laughs> I've never heard of this before. That's how special you got to go try this. <laughs> Have you heard of this before? Yeah. Oh. Palate cleanser. I mean, pre-dessert. <laughs> <laughs> the dessert before the dessert. <laughs> well, we call it the pre-dessert, so it's like a palate cleanser or intermezzo or whatever you want to call it. Okay. <laughs> so it's meant to cleanse your palate from the last savory course. You can be excited there. Okay, yeah. I'm then, sorry, go on. And then one final main dessert. And then there you have like little candies after that. And then you have breads in between your savory meal. So you're doing breads also? Correct. Okay. 
So when you look at the menu, like uh, the entrees and the appetizers, did that also inspire your d- uh, dessert menu? Yes, absolutely. We want to not repeat ingredients. So oh, okay. is that inspiration? It's more like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, if strawberries are in, you know, or asparagus is in, you know, you, you're you not, if, some, if the chef's using the asparagus, you can't use Asparagus in your dessert. Okay. Have you used asparagus in your dessert? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> really? Yeah. Dude, come on, Tammy. <laughs> oh my gosh! This we talk- we're Tammy we're contemporary. No, 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 no. You know what? We tried to um, push the boundaries a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, because uh, just looking at your Instagrams and things that you've told me, I mean, yeah, I I realized that. But then, okay, asparagus is one of those ones. Like, yeah, I'm fascinating yeah. i mean it's very good white chocolates is quite classic yeah on the savory side oh okay, that's, okay could be easily translated to pastry what is the most unusual ingredient that you've used in a dessert barring asparagus <laughs> <laughs> unusual yeah i mean unusual to you or whatever you stands unusual out to, to you. the average person maybe i have to agree maybe unusual to the average person because i see these ingredients every day and i use it, it seems very normal to me mm-hmm. but caraway Caraway. Caraway in, in dessert. dessert or in so bread? I made this caraway and chocolate okay. dessert with uh, green strawberries. Yeah. It's quite okay. savory. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. Like, it's nutty, it's toasty, it's great with chocolate. So, what's on the menu, on the dessert menu specifically, coming up at Sons and Daughters? So, I'm in the middle of a transition to the spring menu. I'm currently working on uh, Sherville Semifredo. Ooh. Uh, with strawberries, black sesame, and black licorice. And that's all mixed in that together? That is all mixed in, that are all composed, different oh, composed. Um, components. So black licorice twill, uh, fresh strawberries that have been tossed in strawberry vinegar, the semi, uh, Sherwell semifredo, and semi, uh, Sherwell sorbet. And tell us, what does it actually look like? Like, what's the, what's the twill shape? Twill shape is going to be uh, circular, and my idea was to have uh, red strawberry twill and black rush twill all in the same shape, but all jumbled up. In my brain, I want the twill to look like a um, Jackson Pollock kind of crazy oh. circles and lines. Ooh, wow. Have you done this yet? Have you executed? I have executed this last week to do a tasting with my chefs. Oh. And I think we have a green light to move on with this dessert. So sometime next week, there will be a new dessert on the menu. So how long will that last? On the, How long will it be on the menu? Until summer. Okay. Yeah. A couple months. Two, few, two, three months. Are you now thinking about even what's going to be in the summer? Like future menu? Yes. Yeah. That would make my life a lot easier if, we, if I think ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this um, spring menu, I kind of took a while for me to like conceptualize so it's been the challenge this past couple of weeks do you keep your ideas like in a notebook so then you're like okay suddenly something hits you and you just write it down yes i go on and off i do have a lot of things in my notebook but there's also a lot of things i just keep up here just because i don't may not have my notebook next to me yeah do you if you go and try something somewhere else do you go oh you know i could do something with that at my restaurant flavor wise yeah definitely Dining out is a source of inspiration, I think, for me and for many chefs as well. Do you actually get to see the people eating your stuff? Yeah, we do have an open kitchen. Oh. So oh. We see people eat. 
Do you do you like watching them eat if you know your dessert is going out there? Sometimes I find it kind of creepy <laughs> watching them eat because I'm like kind of stalking them. Like yeah. I would do that, and like uh, sous chef's like Robert, you're staring at that table. <laughs> it's like oh, sorry, I just want to know. I want to see the reaction. Would you like to own your own business someday? I mean, would you like to go and have your own dessert shop? I would love my own business. I would want my own restaurant, a uh, food service restaurant, more than something that's uh, specialized. He's looking for uh, venture capital. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. So you want to influence top-down, whole menu. Yeah, whole menu, vision. savory dessert, food bar, food line program, everything. What cuisine? I've been really thinking, reflecting on my uh, heritage, especially my dad's side of the heritage, which is Vietnamese. I want to do something, not necessarily fusion, French Vietnamese, but more of contemporary style food using Southeast Asian flavors. That's awesome. What do you think of celebrity chefs? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I want to be wow. one. Uh, um, <laughs> do you want to be one? I do not want to be a celebrity chef. Absolutely not. I mean, do not like being in front of the camera. Do not like being and in the limelight. Do you think you have to have that to be a successful business? Because there's a lot of big names in San Francisco, and a lot of them have been on the big food shows. Right? Right. Let, okay, let's be more specific. What is your definition, uh, definition of a celebrity chef? When I think that, I think of the chefs on... Food Network. It can be that, or anybody who has made the name for themselves, like a Thomas Keller or Michael Mina. Those are Elizabeth guys. Faulkner. Elizabeth Faulkner, yeah. But then, then there's the other side, right? There's the Chris Cosentinos and right. Aaron Sanchez, you know, who are who are really doing a lot of Bobby Flay, right? Who are doing a lot of shows, but they have a lot of restaurants. Right. I, I don't think I'm a person that would actively leave a search for fame, but if I do own a business and create a business and that becomes successful and known for it. That's fine. That's fine. So you're not looking for your own food network show. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the San Francisco food trends that you see currently? I need to think about that. <laughs> food trends, huh? An ingredient or a technique? Like vegan, vegan and gluten free. I won't say this trend, but it's definitely a lot of people are going that route just for a, a health-conscious way of eating. And I know a lot of people uh, who work in the industry are sensitive to those people, too, and that dietary restrictions. Yeah. So you're seeing a much uh, larger population coming into sons and daughters that are requesting. A lot. Yes. A lot of gluten-free, a lot of dairy-free. And that's, do you make a gluten-free bread? We do, yes. Okay. And what's your, what's your flour that you use? Uh, we're using cup for cup. Oh, okay. yeah, great local. Do you and you, do you like the flavors of it? Depending on the recipe, I find it perfectly fine. I used it for dessert on a regular menu before, and I think it works beautifully. And literally, you could just swap it up, swap it off, cup for cup. <laughs> <laughs> Hence and the I, name, and it comes yeah, it comes comes out perfectly good. So, how have you seen the restaurant industry change since you graduated from culinary school? So I start, I've been in this industry for maybe 12 years now. Uh, the restaurant scene's quite, maybe boring is a 
not a good term, but there's definitely not so many uh, fine dining restaurants. Contemporary modern restaurants are quite there. There's a lot of fusion back then. Like Asian fusion was a big thing when I first started. Um, so that's definitely not a thing anymore. So now it's more focused on the produce and the ingredients. So the farm to table ex- Exactly. That is one of the changes I've known, I've seen for restaurants. But in out- restaurant operations, there's definitely a lot more fast casual places, a lot more cafes. That's because people are just busy. Exactly. You think? Yeah. But not necessarily cheaper dining, right? No, not at all. So these casual restaurants aren't exactly cheap restaurants. Also, a lot of tasting menus now. Fine mm-hmm. dining tasting menus everywhere. Because people want a little bit of everything. Correct. They want to try it all. Do you think people's palates are getting more sophisticated? I mean, they're accepting more? <sighs> that is so tough because we do have a large tech scene here with a lot of newly graduated college kids from all over. So because they're younger, I don't think their palates are that well-developed. They prefer more casual, more like going to like um, bars yeah. that sell food and such. So it's, it's a very difficult question to answer. Let's talk about croissants. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, Christine had brought in a couple of chocolate croissants into our kitchen. And then she had the bright idea that we got to get the best cro- chocolate croissants in San Francisco, or at least in the Bay Area. But then we had to narrow it down. Right. We asked for some recommendations. And then we did some researching ourselves to see what we could find. We, f- we found places. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so us narrowing it down is... 10 different chocolate croissants. We'll talk about a few of them, you know, our favorites and not. But Robert, what are we looking for when when people want to look for a good chocolate croissant? Right. So I think we pretty much all know croissants are laminated, which means you have dough, butter, layered, and folded. So you have a lot of layers. And so just from that, you know... You can tell that this is a very flaky, fluffy kind of product. So for me, what I'm looking for in the croissant is, first of all, the appearance. If you could see the layers from the outside, you're good to go. So secondly, you want to cut into it. You want to see pockets or cells that are evenly distributed, even in size. Kind of bubbly looking, kind of, right? Yes, kind of bubbly looking. That is a sign of... a well-handled dough and not too big a bubbles, not too small a bubbles, right? Correct. Cause small bubbles means it's overwork. Yeah. So small bubbles means either it's underproofed or the dough is overworked. So your layers are just collapsed. So you want something that's medium sized and evenly distributed. That means the product is properly handled and you can have a very light, airy uh, croissant. And big bubbles are not good either. No, absolutely not. So no. big bubbles are just, um, I mean, it's either overproofed or there's just large chunks of butter. So you have different textures throughout the croissant. Mm-hmm. And could it be a stylized thing that uh, different bakers, different shops do? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're our artisans and we're entitled to make our, the product, our product, the way we want to make them. 
So absolutely, it could be a style thing. And then also, um, because specifically, Christine wanted to do chocolate croissants, <laughs> the, the chocolate is important as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what are the what are the different kinds of chocolates? Do bakers use, or how do they get them in there? Yeah. So there's um, two types or two styles: a bar chocolate, just straight up chocolate that you put in croissant, roll it up, and bake it off. So like you go and you buy like a Hershey's bar and you cut it up and you put it in there. That is one of the ways you can do it, yeah. but for professionals, um, we can buy individual uh, small pieces of bar chocolate that's uh, designed for chocolate croissants. Oh, that makes it easier. Yes, absolutely. And the other um, style is uh, almost like a ganache or a chocolate paste style, where they usually make in-house and they either spread it in or pipe it into the croissant mm, before baking. Fancy. Yeah. And then uh, placement of, the, of chocolate in the croissant, does that matter? or Overall, I don't think it matters. It's more a visual effect. Yeah. There's are more traditional shapes mm-hmm. and ways of doing it and folding the chocolate in. But at the end of the day, I think if the chocolate's in there, it's a chocolate croissant. <laughs> it's going to be delicious either way. So now with what Robert has taught us, let's try some croissants. So now we have Craftman and Wolves. They have a pretty unusual chocolate croissant. It looks like there's cocoa powder in the dough, so it's quite dark. Nice lamination on the outside. Um, a little dense in the inside. Looks like there's some collapsed cells. Okay, let's try this. Not very crunchy. <laughs> Are we looking for crunch? Unnecessarily more crisp texture. That crisp texture is usually the outside. It's kind of bready. It's very bready. It's very dense. Probably from the cocoa powder in the dough. And I feel like the outside is quite charred. A little overbaked. What do you think of the chocolate? Valrona. That's what it reminds me of, but don't quote me. And they drizzle chocolate on top. Okay, does the cinnamon add to it? My first bite does remind me of Mexican chocolate. So they dip the whole croissant in a churro sugar, so a cinnamon sugar. I did like it, but it falls off really easily. I'm pretty covered in cinnamon sugar, so... I'm just wondering if you didn't know that it was supposed to be churro, 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 churro. You would know. No, I don't think you would know at all. Initially, I think it's really nice. It's something different. But as you eat it, it kind of loses its effect. This is the most different one I think that we have to Mm -hmm. taste, right? Right. Definitely. Okay, so our next one is from La Boulangerie. It's one of the smaller ones, compact, Flat, yep. yeah, flatter. They didn't have strong lamination. There's not obvious layers from the outside. Butteriness, though. Very pretty, uneven layers. Yeah, there's some nice pockets. Either a lot of collapsed layers or it's unapproved. What causes collapsed layers? Handling the dough. It's too rough or temperature. I mm, don't have much to say. So our next one we're trying is from Le Gaumont. It's interesting, very different looking. Yes, it's much lighter on the smaller side of a chocolate croissant. Pockets are uneven, but I don't think it has to do with proofing or handling of dough because there are slashes on the outside, which is unusual. And slashes usually allows the bread to proof more. So it's very unusual for a chocolate croissant. For a traditional half breads, we slash it both for design and allowing the bread to open up in the oven. It allows more 
pockets. But you want to do something like that with a croissant? No, I would not do it. Like, <laughs> really, I, mean, I don't know why to do it. Maybe just to be different. I don't know. So that's just an artistic choice. Bold, slashy choice. <laughs> not necessarily great for structure. No, there's no technical reason why you would slash outside of a croissant. Tell me about the placement of the chocolate. How do they decide where it's going to go? That depends on the baker, but this is quite classic placement. So one on top and one on bottom with a slight overlap where the crease is. Okay, so then that would oh. be considered classic. The, the shape is classic, like pan de chocolat. That square, rectangular shape, right? Yeah. Let's try this. I've been trying the bread before I try the chocolate, actually. I'll try to get a bite with the chocolate so I can get the whole experience. This one's flakier than mm-hmm. some of the other There's ones. More texture. You do have the crunchy on top, crunchy on the bottom. Butter flavor. Chocolate's good. Chocolate's there. I like this one. I'm going to go on record. So far, it's my favorite one. And now we're tasting Viva La Tarte. Very, very airy. <laughs> Layers from the outside looks amazing. The outside layer are slowly peeling off in large pieces. I think it's overproofing. That creates the peeling. Also, it could be their formula. It could be a drier formula. You can literally peel a whole piece. We haven't even gotten to the chocolate yet. We're all staring at this crazy giant cell structure. I'm trying to analyze why, other than overproofing, why would it be so airy, incredibly airy. It has a classic chocolate placement. The double bars slightly overlap in the center. Under the chocolate, there's also a lot of collapsed cells where it's almost doughy. That could be temperature before it goes in the oven or the oven's not quite hot so you don't get that initial heat to rise. To rise. Could this be just a, a style choice? Like all the croissants are this airy. Absolutely. It's a very, very buttery croissant. I like that butteriness. Personally, I don't like the um, the airiness. I, I find it too flaky. I feel like everything's falling apart on me. I like it. I like the flavor, but I just don't like eating it. Okay, I'm going to try the chocolate part. Very generous with your chocolate mm-hmm. in here. It was actually a pretty big croissant. Yeah, it was huge. Robert, what are the bars that are in here? Like, is that a ganache or is it just pure chocolate? It's usually pure chocolate. The shape is just in a bar form or what we call a baton. And do they make those? Do each bakery make them? Yeah, you definitely can buy them in bar form. They're specially made for croissants. But you think of this chocolate. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. It's good. And it is, it's different shape than the other ones. Other than the airiness and that slight collapse on the uh, base of the croissant, I like this croissant. Me too. Flavor-wise, is really good. I like the flavor, but I don't like my croissants falling out. Yeah, it's just too much. It's just falling apart too much for me too. So now we're trying confections. Look-wise, a rather dense-looking chocolate croissant. But even structure. Got some nice bubblies on the outside here. Uh, one of the smaller ones. They do have the rise underneath the chocolate. True. Yeah, it's not collapsed, not doughy. Let's try this. Christine's doing a peel I'm method. Try a peel, yes. I mean, it's a little dry. Not very buttery. We. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kind of bready. And not as buttery. The chocolate is very... It's quite a neutral chocolate. It is a neutral. I mean, it's not an unusual. There's, there's not much complexity going on with the chocolate. But the outside is very greasy. Of the bread part, it's not one of my favorite croissants. I tend to like my croissants pretty buttery. You too, Robert. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a croissant. <laughs> there's reasons why people get croissants like this too, right? I mean, this is a classic. Yeah, it's quite unfortunate that we have that. In America, but <laughs> <laughs> outside is a little bit overcooked too. I don't mind the color on outside. It adds flavor. <laughs> it's not burnt. It's not bitter. So that's that's great. good. Okay, Robert's end piece doesn't have as much brown as my centerpiece. It's a couple shades darker than mine. Could be oven. Like oven's quite to be temperamental. Have hot spots. So do you bake croissants in a convection oven? Yes, I would. So now we're tasting tartine. Here's the top. 
Ooh. Looking at it when we cut it open, it is a very uh, interesting look. <laughs> and it's kind of wet. So much chocolate or whatever. Uh, is it chocolate? I'm not going to complain. It'd be like some kind of chocolate paste they made, like a nosh. There is two layers to it. Like there's two bars and the bars are giant. This is definitely some sort of ganache. Flavors of the chocolate is great. It adds a complexity to everything. So we speculated on what we thought chocolate might be anybody can correct us on this we just think distinctively this chocolate we just kind of know and it's christine dandelion yeah somebody tell me otherwise you gotta tell us because dandelion has a very distinctively floral fruity i have to agree with you i think it's dandelion camino verde to be exact yes (laughs) yeah be another artisan chocolate it's definitely artisan chocolate um the flavor uh really nice and buttery oh it is yeah, the structure is quite flappy, huh? And the layers in itself is really thick. It falls apart. But it's not bready. It's not crumbly. It's not my favorite. Once again, I love buttery croissants, but I don't want it falling apart on me. Like, this is too much for me. The bread itself is quite flavorful. This buttery is just yeast flavor as well. Like, great flavor, but what's going on with this look of this croissant? I feel like the whole thing is more, it's like a meal. It's like a dessert. It's the biggest croissant we have of the bunch. By far the monstrous one. I don't know. I like it. I think I like it more than you. I like the chocolate. It has a complex chocolate as well as a, a, a good flavor on butter. It's like it's got that San Francisco twist. Yes, I agree. What's the twist? <laughs> it's a little bit different in, in the form and then with the chocolate inside and in more chocolate and the flavor. It feels like tartine is the only one. That made like a ganache or a paste. And they probably had to. Dandelion, they're a small producer, so they probably didn't have bars ready made for a croissant. Also, the um, chocolate from tartine, because it's almost like paste ganache form, it has a nice texture, has a nice bite to it. Melts well on the palate. I like it. I like it too. Flavor-wise, great. So our next croissant is from Mr. Holmes. They're famous actually for their croffins. That's a uh, croissant muffin. <laughs> what do you guys think about the structure and overall appearance? Uneven. Yes, it's just large pocket. Could be a large lump of butter, highly likely. I've been analyzing this giant hole and then when it fell apart, I decided to just start eating it. The dough is interesting, the bread part of it. There's a flavor in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a complexity, as I will say, there's, there is something in that dough and I don't know what it is what is that it's almost sour it's the fermentation right there's something there's some flavor there they got that going the chocolate's quite flavorful this one's really good when chocolate kind of leaks out in the bottom and gets a little crispy with the edge that's one of my favorite part of a croissant and this is really i got a little bit of that and it's just delicious crunchy chocolatey christine what do you think about the chocolate i'm pulling it apart right now i think it's a pace it's definitely sweeter than tartine. It's very floral. Semi-sweet. It'll be very interesting to know whose chocolate they're using. Yeah, overall, I like this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do too. Overall, I think it's interesting. Like if you want to introduce somebody to a good chocolate croissant, this is like not too unusual. I think this is a good kind of middle of the road. Yes, you know? I agree. Is our middle of the road kind of high? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. It's a good croissant to try, especially in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Then you can try their other creations that they're known for, too. So the next croissant we're tasting is from Lemare. Nice, fluffy. Overall, looks very consistent, very even. Beautiful. Nice pockets, yes. I can see Tammy through it. I know. There you are. Thank you. Hi, Christine. (laughs) (laughs) It's a 
beautiful looking croissants. It stands. Look at how it stands. It stands straight up. Yep. And we're having slivers of croissants. And they're staying straight and keeps the structure. But looks aren't everything. So let's eat. It's got a beautiful fermentation smell or fermented smell. Oh, just very, very yeasty. Okay. This is bready, but not bready like the other ones. I think it's because of that flavor, that yeast, that sour flavor. That chocolate's really unusual. I haven't gotten to the chocolate yet. I need my chocolate expert to get to the chocolate. <laughs> tastes like tastes like Easter candy, Easter chocolate. Like those chocolate eggs that you get the little eggs with the foil on the outside. You guys notice the texture of the chocolate? It's a little firmer, so this is definitely a bar. But that flavor of the chocolate is... It's very distinct. What do you think of the bread, Robert? For my palate, I think it's a little too sour, a little too fermented. I like my butter forward. Mm-hmm. It eats well. You know, you can like bite into it. Things aren't falling all over the place. Though I don't know in Paris, like, do you want it falling all over the place or you don't? Everyone always talks about flakiness. Well, I think there should be a balance of large pieces of croissant peeling off to where it's just slightly crumbling. Yay or nay, gang? Yeah. Yes. Another good starter. Good starter for people. This is actually a well-made looking croissant. Like I said, we may also have higher expectations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. That's what I was thinking. So our next croissant is from Jane the Bakery. Beautiful structure. Kind of low. Really nice air pockets. And a very custom chocolate. Like kind of ganache. And now we're flicking pieces <laughs> off. <laughs> what do you think they're glazing the tops of their croissants? Because this one has a nice shiny egg wash. The shinier ones tend to be um, egg yolk. And then the duller ones type be a combination of whole egg with water or milk. It does smell very fermented as well. Chocolate smells good too. It's quite acidic, similar to Mr. Holmes. The flavor of this one is... It's different than Mr. Holmes. Nice and complex. Um, I had a whole bite with the chocolate. I I really like it. I'm going to taste the chocolate by itself. It is some sort of ganache. Looks home, homemade, not homemade. <laughs> Artisanal made. Housemade. Housemade. There we go. I like the bread a lot. That chocolate has a lot of chocolate notes. It's very chocolatey. Not anything distinctive that you recognize, right? Uh, the first thing I think of is cho. Wow, Christine, I think you're right. It tastes like cho. I know cho has they have these flavor notes, different chocolate. And yeah. They have one that's called chocolatey, and that's what it reminds me of. They're the type of bakery that will probably also use local. Overall, I think it's really good. The bread itself is very flavorful. A little too fermenty for me. A little too is almost sourdoughy. It's very buttery. Butter forward. I'm realizing my style croissant now. Butter forward, complex chocolate, and not flaky till it's blowing off the top. That's a good starter one, too. Now we're trying Arsico Bakery. They're beautiful. Very consistent. Shape of the croissant is nice and puffy, domed. It's a different kind of fold, though, than the other ones. They did a snail shell fold on both sides, which is like spirals. We'll have pictures. This is not a bar. It looks like a ganache as well. Smells amazing. Wow, tasting this one. I don't know, guys. Smells bready. It has Mm -hmm. flavor without being sour. And the butteriness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just is... Mm. Lots of chocolate. I haven't even gotten the chocolate. I can't get over the bread. I probably will love their butter croissants. (laughs) Yeah, the textures are fluffy, super soft, but flaky and crispy on the outside. What do you think of that chocolate, Robert? This might be Verona chocolate. And they have the oozing... Caramelized chocolate on outside that Tommy loves. Oh, I know. Extra points. Holy cow, guys. I think uh, this is one of my favorites. It's a beautiful looking croissant. We're in awe. Nobody's talking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> delicious. That was a beautiful croissant. We're so speechless with that one.
just survive. So we did the math and it's over two croissants each, which I guess that's not too bad. I don't know. Is that bad? Oh. Two whole croissants. That's yeah. Oh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> over, over, over. How long? How long was this? Two and a couple hours. Yeah. So through the magic of everything, we have condensed it down. But the thing is, uh, we thought we would have palate fatigue, and we didn't. I don't think so. So that worked out pretty well. So okay, let's get down to the nitty gritty. What people want to know: What is your least favorite? I feel like the one I couldn't appreciate as much <laughs> was La Boulangerie. Yeah, La Boulangerie. I have to gr- agree with Christine. My least favorite is La Boulangerie as well. It was dense. It's dry. It's a little d- dense. It's more like bread than a croissant. If you have like a glass of, or you have a cup of coffee or yeah. a cup of tea and you want to dip your croissant in it, that might be a good one. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's, that's the case for any of the uh, any of the ones we tasted today. I mean, they're all fine, you know, to eat. Completely edible for sure. Right. No, nothing you should spit out. <laughs> I, know. I know. I feel like we really tasted some creme de la creme here, though. Yes. Yeah. We, and we are spoiled in this area. I say it all the time. Okay, so let's go to the happy side, uh, which is our most favorite. I liked myself, Jane the Bakery. Yeah, I have to agree. I think that's also one of my top top threes. They're very well known for their breads, mm-hmm. right? I mean... They started out only making breads, I believe. Yeah. Right. But man, their croissant is excellent. So, and actually, it wasn't Jane the Bakery. They have a croissant that they only sell on the weekends, which is a buckwheat chocolate croissant, uh, oh. only sold on Saturdays and Sundays, which we did not have the pleasure of trying. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Delicious. And I think they had something else buckwheat as well, which is only sold on the weekends, which we got to try at some point, it's you like know? A buckwheat crepe. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, yeah. I, and I love buckwheat crepes. So, chocolate. No, <laughs> with mushroom sauce. Oh, ooh, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> My other favorite yeah, is the Le Marais. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. And um, beautiful looking yes. croissant as well. Is that the one that was spilling out the little extra... No, that was no, burnt chocolate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember my chocolate spilling out ones. <laughs> I didn't have that one. I didn't have that. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, so with La Marais, I also, for me, I also like Mr. Holmes. Me too. You know? Yeah, that, that was yeah. good too. I yeah. was surprised by it. Um, I, I thought they're a true cruffin maker. I mean, they created it. And I thought that's, I'm surprised, like Robert was saying, that they made other things besides these fancier um, pastries. Yes. So, so. Well, yeah, um, Jane and Mr. Holmes kind of head to head for me. Yeah, very yeah. similar. Yeah, very interesting. Ranking. I can say for me, one of my top favorite ones is Arsacult. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. Wow. Yep. I agree. Arsacult's my favorite. Oh. Absolutely favorite. Yeah, cell structure, flavor, chocolate, just a really... Flaky, light, fluffy. See, we're still dreaming about it. It's beautiful. (laughs) You know, and that is impressive, too. We have just tasted 10 croissants, and we ended with 
probably one of our top ones and we still think it's the top one after tasting nine others so that's pretty impressive <laughs> so they made their own ganache i think we for that one yeah we believe yeah mm-hmm. and it seems to be consistent with the ones that we liked more mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting huh the top ones that we like um seems to have uh their own in-house chocolate and a lot of them tasted uh, that we like tasted very distinct the bread was distinct from the chocolate and uh they had stronger flavors than yeah than kind of straightforward we were referring to some of them as having um they're good starter croissants (laughs) as in like if you've never had a croissant before this might be the one for you right um and but the ones we liked had more complexity yeah i mean i feel like okay for me arsicle is definitely the top and then the other three are yeah, they're really great ones. If you are, if you live near any of those, you're lucky, lucky people. So, here we go. There's our top recommendations for a chocolate croissant, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, looking, definitely check out our Instagram and check out our show notes. We'll have a chocolate croissant map as well. Let let us know the ones we missed. Yeah, uh, I swear I'm going to talk you into doing a part two. <laughs> oh, a few months later okay and we'll bring back robert for part two gonna be like, ah. i'll be more than happy to come back for part two <laughs> great you know we could count on you yeah thanks robert thank you thank you for listening to let us wrap with christine and tammy thank you to our editor and producer jason anthony guy if you like our show tell a friend ask them to subscribe we're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it away, Robert. Until next time, that's a wrap.